passage of scripture. This, this song is based off of this whole concept that we are made alive in Christ. So I want to read right out of Ephesians 2, 4 through 7. Just listen to these words of Paul. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. As we continue to sing this song, just reflect on that, that we are truly made alive in Christ in a way that is more alive than we already experienced. You know, we're, of course, we're alive, we're breathing today, but the life that Jesus gives is greater. Uh, So let's lean into that and just continue to worship him this morning. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me, Christ who lives within me. next song we're going to sing is that it's new for Rock Creek Church. Some of you may recognize the tune. It is an older hymn called A Mighty Fortress. And uh, this is one of the analogies that we see in scripture regularly, especially in the Old Testament and the Psalms, that God is our mighty fortress. We can find refuge in him, find safety, security, and peace. So I want to read Psalm 31, one through five for you just to prepare us for the, the message of the song for the spirit of what we can praise Jesus for in this moment. Psalm 31 says, In you, Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never be put to shame. Deliver me in your righteousness. Turn your ear to me. Come quickly to my rescue. Be my rock of refuge, a strong fortress to save me. Since you are my rock and my fortress, for the sake of your name, lead and guide me. 
keep me free from the trap that is set for me. For you are my refuge. Into your hands I commit my spirit. Deliver me, Lord, my faithful God. So as we sing a mighty fortress, let this be our prayer that, that we can run to him, that we can find our refuge in him every single day of our lives, every moment, but especially here and now. is our God a bulwark never failing our helper he amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing for still our ancient foe doth seem to work us woe Craft and power are great and armed with cruel hate. On earth is not his equal. Whoa, 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 whoa.
strength can fight Our striving would be
King and that you are resurrecting us. You are in the process always of bringing new life to us, to reinvigorating us, to uh, help us understand more and more what does it mean to live according to the new reality that you set forth in your death and your resurrection. So Lord, as we kick off Holy Week, I just pray that you would guide our thoughts to you, help us to see more and more your character, your love for us, for those around us, for this world and the extent to which you've gone through to save us. So Jesus, draw us closer to you this morning. Help us to uh, become more and more unified as a church, as Rock Creek Church, even though we don't get to see each other in person. Just continue to unify us, make us stronger, and help us to better reflect you to the world around us each and every day. So we thank you, Jesus. We give you this morning. We 
give you this time. Amen. All right. Well, thanks for worshiping with us. Um, it's, it's still a little weird doing it on a live stream, but it's great. Um, we're so thankful for you tuning in. A few quick announcements for this morning. Uh, one, we want to continue to push you to our website. Uh, if you haven't checked it out yet, please do. We are trying to make sure everything that we are doing, possible, uh, anything that's possible for us to do online, all of our ministries is accessible there and hopefully straightforward enough for you to access. So please keep going to our website, uh, Basecamp for your kids. There's all, all the things you need on there, videos, lessons, activities, all that stuff's there for you to teach your kids today or maybe another time this week. Um, beyond that, I mean, just a, as a quick highlight, uh, if you were a woman, if you joined the, the Wine Wednesdays uh, this last Wednesday, that was awesome. Brian posted a really cool uh, Zoom picture of how many women joined with that. So that's events like that, things like that are all accessible on our website. So please go check that out. We want to continue to build community even while we are staying in place. Um, beyond that, the only other thing we want to emphasize is that we are still doing Good Friday and Easter services. We'll be doing them online. Good Friday is this Friday night at 6.30 p.m. So we will be live streaming then as well. Um, we will be doing communion as well. So I just want to give you a heads up. Please don't feel like you need to go anywhere to get supplies. I mean, communion is a symbol, right? It's supposed to help us to remember Jesus. So find what you have lying around that'll help you remember that. Whether it's, it's I mean, you can use real wine if you want. <laughs> There's no one stopping you. Um, use grape juice. You know, I've even heard of people using hot dogs and soda before because they didn't have anything else. So Find what works for you, but just wanted to give you a heads up to prepare for that as we remember Christ's sacrifice on the cross for us. Um, and then other than that, Easter, this next Sunday, one week from today, is Easter Sunday. Yes, it's a live stream, but I also want to encourage you to think about this as an incredible opportunity uh, to invite people. We talk about this frequently is that, you know, for, for a lot of people out there, it going to a church building can be a major hindrance because they might have bad memories or, you know, they have uh, bad associations, but we have a great opportunity. The fact that people can join us for our service in their living room, just really want to encourage you to keep thinking and pushing and, and uh, brainstorm ways that you can invite people, invite your, your friends, your coworkers, your neighbors, you know, people are staying in place. If, well, if they are, as they should be, then they may not have anything going on on Sunday. So really want to encourage you just to invite, get the word out, help us to share the live stream link. And it's going to be a killer service. It's going to be amazing. So with that, I want to pray for Brian and uh, we'll continue on with the morning. So Jesus, thank you so much for who you are. We thank you that you are our mighty fortress. We thank you that even in times like this, we can trust in you and we know that, that you have a purpose in all of this that is so good that we can't possibly understand. We're in the middle of some rough, rough circumstances and we ask for your peace, for your comfort, but help us to hold hope into your ultimate promises that you will resurrect us, that you will give us a new future, a new hope that we ultimately can and, and will have everlasting life with you starting today. Um, so we thank you for that. I pray that you would speak through Brian this morning Help us to connect with the church calendar a little bit in Palm Sunday to reflect on what this experience was like, to get into the story a little bit, to interact with you in a way that we may not have done before. But I pray that you would speak through him, speak to each and every one of us this morning, and just draw us close to your heart. So we thank you, Jesus, and we pray that you would be given all the glory. In Jesus' name.
Amen. Well, amen. Um, yeah. Good morning, church. Uh, glad you're tuning in and uh, spending some time with us. Hopefully, you're nestled into your spot in your couch or your special chair. Uh, I'm, I'm sure that you heard Paul singing uh, loudly from your house. I know I cracked our windows so that I could hear Paul, and I, I believe I did. Uh, and so hopefully you heard that as well. Um, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 21. So if you want to go ahead and open up your Bibles to that, we'll get to that in just a moment. also want to say good morning, Mrs. Arnett. I know you're tuning in from the West Coast. We're praying that you're safe and healthy. Uh, the Milfords, you guys are always super quick to jump on. Randy is actually uh, in the chat room uh, a couple of hours uh, beforehand saying good morning to the church. So Randy, great job. The Aylesworths, you guys are, are always on board. Judy Hansen, Polly, Polly's 93. She was able to log in all by herself. And so that's not condescending. That's to say, if she can do it, you can do it. Uh, and so glad that you're tuning in. And Daniel Montanari, thank you for tuning in, praying for you. Uh, glad that you're here. So, so many of you um, were able to see kind of the group chats uh, see who's able to log in and who's been uh, corresponding with us. We have people in uh, Texas and Utah, Arizona, California, uh, Oregon, Washington. And so there, there are so many different places where people are tuning in. So we just want to say good morning to you uh, and glad that you're a part of this, gr glad that you're a part of our church family, especially on today. Today is Palm Sunday, and as Alex alluded to, uh, it's a very, very special uh, day and week for the church, uh, the church worldwide. Uh, and Alex, and, and by the way, side note, uh, make sure you send Alex a uh, text message, email, phone call, just telling him how much you appreciate him, how much work he pours into this church in both caring for you and also leading us in worship and everything else. Ben uh, is right now behind the soundboard uh, and the camera, so he's kind of doing several things. So thanks to Ben Bulow. And then my daughter Naomi is running slides, the computer. Uh, I just kind of stand around and encourage everybody and cheerlead and try and stay out of the way uh, so I don't break anything. So we've got a whole crew that's uh, putting these things on and we're trying to improve it um, each week. And so thanks for your patience uh, with that. Okay. Uh, with that said, what we're going to do is we're going to dive in pretty heavily into uh, Palm Sunday in Matthew chapter 21. So if you don't have your Bibles, uh, you can even just hit pause on the TV uh, and run and grab your Bible, uh, whether you want to open it up on your lap, just one of you, or all of you have your own Bibles. But uh, we're really going to kind of dig into the Scriptures a little bit on this Palm Sunday. So I'm going to read <clears throat> the first 14 verses. They're also going to be on the screen. So if you're too lazy to go get your Bible, uh, you'll still be able to read it. So let's uh, begin our time. Uh, starting in verse 1, here's what it says. As Jesus and the disciples approached Jerusalem, they came, to the, uh, they came to the town of Bethphage on the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two of them on ahead. Go into the village over there, he said. As soon as you enter it, you will see a donkey tied there with its colt beside it. Untie them and then bring them to me. If anyone asks what you're doing, just say, the Lord needs them. And he will immediately let you take them, kind of a, uh, a Jedi mind trick. 
Uh, this took place to fulfill the prophecy that said, tell the people of Jerusalem, look, your king is coming to you. He is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. The two disciples did it, Jesus commanded. They brought the donkey and the colt to him, and they threw their garments over the colt, and he sat on it. Most of the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of them, and others cut branches from trees and spread them on the road. Jesus was in the center of the procession, and the people all around him were shouting, Praise God for the Son of David. Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise God in the highest heaven. Verse 10. The entire city of Jerusalem was in an uproar as he entered. Who is this? They asked. And the crowds replied, It's Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Jesus entered the temple and he began to drive out all the people buying and selling animals for sacrifice. He knocked over the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those who were selling doves. And he said to them, the scriptures declare, my temple will be called a house of prayer, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. The blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. This is such an incredible uh, story. It's referred to as the triumphant entry uh, or also referred to uh, as Palm Sunday within the church calendar. And Matthew doesn't mention that they're palm branches. Uh, the gospel writer John does that in his, but in, in this gospel in Matthew's, we just see branches and we're going to unpack branches here in just a little bit. And the first thing that we see in this scripture is that Jesus is choosing very carefully and meticulously how things happened, uh, it, because it's not only being lived out very practically for the people who are witnessing, uh, who are present, but Jesus is orchestrating a lesson in this event that is not only a lesson for the people who are present, but it continues to be a lesson for those of us moving forward in today, uh, April 5th, 2020 at 10.35 a.m. And so what do we learn from this event? Three things that I just want to unpack of what this means for Jesus both then, but also what does it mean for Jesus now? Because I think both are equally important. As Jesus is riding into the crowns, we learn that he's a king. And we see that he's a king really uh, publicly for the very first time. And three things that we learn from that. Number one, he is a confrontational king. Uh, make no mistake about it. Even in today's times, Jesus is a very confrontational king. We tend to think of Jesus maybe as the king who walks around holding a lamb. He is that, but he's also confrontational. Number two, he's very counterintuitive. He is a counterintuitive king. He doesn't act the way that we think a king might act. And then number three that we'll end with is he is the coming king. Praise God he is the coming king, especially in today's times. And so what we're going to do is take a look at that. So first of all, let me show you how Jesus is the confrontational king, if you're taking notes. 
If you read about the life of Jesus, especially if you read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, you'll see that every time that Jesus is performing a miracle, uh, every time he's driving out a demon, every time he's healing someone, there is a, a consistent effort to kind of stamp down the scuttle that goes out from that. That's why he says, don't tell anyone. And so we've often wondered, well, why does Jesus say that? Well, one of the significant reasons why Jesus wants to kind of keep a muzzle on things is because he knows if word gets out, then word will get out to the religious leaders. And when the religious leaders begin to know, then they'll start to put the kibosh on things. And he's not ready for the kibosh. He still has work to do. He still has obedience to do in God. And so that's really the essence, but he is confrontational. If we look at Palm Sunday, that changes. There's the blind men, there's the palm branches, there's the shouting, there's the proclamation, there's the entry. Everything changes on Palm Sunday. And what's interesting is we look at today, uh, coronavirus present, and everything has changed. The world that we know it has changed. Your daily life has changed. Your Sunday morning routine has changed. On that Palm Sunday, everything changed. Look with me at chapter 20 at the blind men. Right before all of this happens, Jesus walking with the crowds towards Jerusalem for the Passover, two blind men say this. Actually, I'm going to start at verse 29. I think we just have, um, we only have verse 30 on that, but let me, let me read this whole thing. As Jesus and the disciples left the town of Jericho, a large crowd followed behind. Two blind men were sitting beside the road. When they heard that Jesus was coming that way, they began shouting, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. Be quiet, the crowd yelled at them. But they only shouted louder. There's a time for that. Lord, son of David, have mercy on us, they shout louder. And when Jesus heard them, he stopped and he called them, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, they said, we, we want to see you. And Jesus felt sorry for them, and he touched their eyes, and immediately they could see. And then they followed him. That's a whole other sermon in and of itself when Jesus touches a life and they begin to follow. But what we want to see here is what they proclaim. They proclaim now, Son of David. That's a messianic proclamation. It's an address. It is the way that everybody in those times would talk about the coming Messiah. And here it's thrown onto Jesus. It's the one that they've been waiting for. It's the one that would liberate uh, Israel. In front of the crowd, they make this statement. And then Jesus doesn't correct them. He heals. He has compassion. And he heals them. Now, what I want you to do is think about the disciples. For several years, they've been told, keep quiet, keep things on the down low. Don't let things get out to the public. There's a right time for this. They've been told that constantly. I'm sure over campfires, they've been given instructions by Jesus on what to do and what not to do in public. And here in this moment, all bets are off. Jesus allows the proclamation of Son of David the messianic proclamation, the coming king, and he allows it. And now the cat's out of the bag. And I wonder, can you picture the buzz? 
Just in the disciples themselves, can you imagine the buzz looking at each other going, we can talk about it now. We can let everyone else know. We can announce it to the world. This is crazy. Can you imagine the excitement that comes about that now the son of David, the messianic, the, the, the coming king is now out in the open. And Jesus very purposefully in this moment, on this Sunday, allows that to come about. And then Jesus decides to do something pretty unique, pretty special. And Jesus knows exactly what he's doing. From the minute he began his ministry to the minute he took his last breath, he did everything with purpose and listening in an obedience to God his Father and through the power of the Holy Spirit. He doesn't walk in. He rides in. And they're shouting. They're going crazy. This is it. They just saw or heard of a miracle. And now crowds are following. Whispers are kind of spreading throughout. And Jesus begins to ride in. He doesn't change their mind. And they're crying out, Hosanna. Now, maybe you're new to the scriptures or new to church and you kind of wonder, well, what's the deal with Hosanna? Hosanna is not like, yay, you. Or uh, like when we gather, if your team wins a Super Bowl or, uh, or the baseball championship, it's not that. It's not like you're cheering for something that happened or, or an organization. This is literally a shout of God save us. Hosanna, God save us. Please save us. And then they quote Psalm 118. Again, it's a messianic psalm. And again, Jesus accepts their public declaration. And then he calls my house. He talks about the temple being my house. And he begins to turn over the tables and move things. And by the way, you might know this. The only person that's allowed to come into your house and rearrange your furniture or knock things over is you. You're the owner. If Alex walked in here and started going, well, I don't like the piano here and I don't like the plant here, I would let him uh, because it's Alex and we're great friends. But I would go, that's kind of weird. You don't live here. It's not your house. Jesus walks into the temple and he begins to destroy things. It's his house. And Jesus makes that proclamation very clear. Jesus, in this moment, the story behind the story, if you would, kind of like a movie, the story behind the movie is that Jesus is suddenly publicly declaring himself as the messianic king, where he is saying, all bets are off. Crown me or kill me. The choice is yours. Uh, this is Jesus' way of saying, I'm not mincing words anymore. I'm not keeping it a secret. I'm not allowing you to decide and wonder. I'm telling you what is true, and you now crown me or kill me. He's confronting, and I, I would like for you to consider this morning that question. Because I want to suggest to you this morning, you can't read this book. You can't read the life of Jesus and not have that question posed to you. Because there is no middle ground. Crown me 
as King of kings and Lord of lords and let me rule your life as rightful ruler or kill me. And so Jesus is very confrontational. There's an author, Reynolds Price. Uh, he's an author and commentator. He writes this regarding John's account of the events surrounding Jesus. He says this, Does Jesus bring us a life-transforming truth? Or is this one's gifted lunatic's tale of another lunatic wilder than he is? In other words, is this lunatic after lunatic after lunatic telling us about a lunatic? Or is what we read truly life-transforming truth? And so Jesus confronts that then, and he confronts it this morning with you and with me. And so Jesus is confronting. The second thing, if you're taking notes, is that Jesus is the counterintuitive king. There's a commentator that, that writes on Matthew. I have all the time in the world to read tons of commentators. Thankfully, God bless, I have a, a, a great library of books, so I just read um, during this time. But I was reading uh, this commentator by uh, Stanley Hauerwas, and this is what he talks about Jesus giving us a satire, if you would, on a triumphal entry. And here's what he writes. On the one hand, this looks, speaking about Jesus' coming into uh, the town, this looks like all the other triumphal entries. 200 years earlier, Simon Maccabus had defeated foreign armies and kept Israel independent, and he rode into Jerusalem with people shouting cheers and waving palm branches because he delivered them. Sound familiar? 200 years earlier. This triumphal entry, Jesus's, this triumphal entry parodies the entries of kings and armies. Victors in battle do not ride into their capital cities riding on a donkey, but on fearsome horses. But this kind, this entry does not and will not triumph through force of arms. Again, Jesus knows exactly what he's doing. The people have no clue, but Jesus knows and he still knows today. He knows what he's doing. Even when the world see, is seemingly spinning out of control and we don't know how it's going to end, you can put your trust and faith in Jesus. He knows what he's doing, friends. Jesus chose a baby donkey, which is almost comical because if you know anything about animals, uh, this, this would seem silly. But Jesus is very deliberate, both in his actions to, to express something, but also to fulfill Scripture. He's coming to rule, and he's coming in to save, but he's not coming in by taking power and killing, but by losing power and dying. That's what Jesus does. He turns things upside down, but there's a purpose behind it. He's going to triumph through weakness. And so followers can come to him only by saving uh, grace through salvation by repenting and admitting their need of Him. Not by a victory. You see, we're not saved by our good works. We're not saved by our strength. In fact, there's a lot of people who aren't strong right now. 
maybe that's you. Maybe um, the the quarantine has run its course. The newness, kind of the excitement of it, figuring things out, like that's gotten rolled real fast. And what this does is it has certainly for me and probably for you, it's revealed my selfishness. It's revealed where I put my strength, where I find my strength. People are weak. You're weak. I'm weak. And so it's not found in strength. It's salvation through weakness. And that's good news. That's good news for me. It's good news for you so that people can have free salvation in spite of our sins. It means that everybody can get in. It's a gift. But we tend to go to God and say, here's what I need. You need to give me exactly what I want, exactly what I'm looking for, much like the Israelites. You need to give me exactly what I'm looking for. And what did these people need from God? What did they need from a coming King Messiah? They needed judgment to rain down from the heavens on their oppressors, the the people who were ruining the world, the Romans. But what they really needed was for someone to come down and bear judgment for them because they were ruining the world because of their sin. You see, it's not it wasn't someone else, it was you. It was me. It was the people who lined the streets, throwing the palm branches down, shouting Hosanna. It wasn't the Romans. It was for all humanity because all human race is a part of that sin. What they really needed, what their real need was, was pardon and reconciliation so that God can come back and make things new again and end evil without ending you and me. One commentator says this, Palm Sunday is an incredible parable of the lifelong mismatch of what we think we need and what God provided. I love that. I I love that quote of what we thought we need and what God has provided. What we think we need is almost always shallow or short-sighted, right? I mean, when, when this crisis hit, everybody thought, I need toilet paper. And there's this mad rush to go get toilet paper. Yeah, you need some toilet paper. But what do you really need? You need community. You need, you need some hope. You need food. You, you, you need shelter. You need each other. But there's this mad rush on this short-sightedness. And what God often does in the short run can be very confusing. It can be very, very frustrating because you don't see the end of the story. But God does especially in these times. But please keep in mind that when you and I come to him, he will give you what you really need. And in the long run, it will exceed what you were looking for. Always. Write this down. God always gives you what you would have asked for if you knew everything he knows. Think about that. God often doesn't answer our prayers and we go, well, I've prayed for this and it didn't happen. I guess like God doesn't exist. No, God always gives you what you would have asked for if you knew the end of the story, if you knew what he knows now. And he gives that to you if you're a follower of Christ. 
it's this paradox on prayer, but, but it is a powerful statement that God knows what He's doing. And if you learn this, you will learn to live a very contented, non-anxious life. And if you don't learn this, you won't. Anxiety and chasing after things will plague you for the rest of your life. And you will avoid peace, which is the very thing that Jesus rides in to give on this donkey. Peace. Peace because the life situations are going to change immediately? No. Peace because he's there and he knows what he's doing. Extremely counterintuitive. We think uh, about our felt needs and Jesus goes after our real needs. And to be honest with you, sometimes that's super frustrating. Because I know if you're like me, sometimes I go, yeah, God, I want you to take care of my real needs. But every now and then a felt need taken care of would be awfully nice as well. And sometimes that happens and sometimes it doesn't. And that's okay. Okay. Finally, Jesus is the confrontational king. He's the counterintuitive and praise God. Let's take a moment and thank God he's the coming king. Someday that's going to happen, and, and this is my favorite part of the Palm Sunday. The people thought that Jesus was riding in to put everything right, to just fix everything, to put down all injustice, all suffering, heal all sicknesses, make it all right. And in a sense, they were right, but not in the way that they were looking for. He was coming in to write but he was coming in to make you right with God in a way that he only knows that you need. And in the people, as he looked into their eyes, those who were for him and those who were against him, those who were shouting and, and maybe even just repeating things, they don't even know what they're repeating. He was looking into their eyes and he knew what he was coming to do. He was coming to make things right in an eternal way. And there's two pictures that come to mind. People have asked me, I'm sure they've asked Alex, people have asked me like, hey, is this the second coming? Is this the end of the world? Is this the end times? And, and my very short theological answer is, I don't know. <laughs> I wish I did. I, I, I have found myself looking to the sky and going, I wonder what it would look like to see a white horse and trumpet sounding in, this, in the sky opening up and seeing heaven. I haven't seen that yet. I don't know if it's the second coming. I, I don't know if, this, if we're in the end time. I don't know. And anybody who does tell you that they definitively know, don't believe them. I don't know. All I know is I can trust the Lord. But there's two things regarding Jesus as the coming king that come to mind. And I, and I want to walk you through this as we get ready to close. One has to do with creation. And one has to do with animals. Bear with me. Okay, one is creation, one is animals and, and the other animals. When people are shouting blessedness in the name of the Lord, it is the same word, this is fascinating, the same word as shalom. And in this particular case, shalom meaning complete, thriving, and flourishing. So when they're calling out Messiah, when they're calling out a blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, as they're calling out Hosanna, they're calling out for him to make everything right. 
They're not saying, you, Jesus, you're cool. They're saying, God, save us. Make everything right, right here, right now. Put an end to this. We're tired of our oppression. Make everything right. And when they're waving their palm branches, it's looking forward to the day when the trees will wave their own branches to the king. This is fascinating. It says this in Psalm chapter 96. So if you, if you have your Bibles, flip to that real quick. Keep your hand in Matthew 21. It says this in Matthew chapter 6, and I'll actually start in verse 11. Our, our focus is 12. It says this, Let the heavens be glad and the earth rejoice. Let the sea and everything in it shout His praise. Verse 12, And let the fields and their crops burst out with joy. Let the trees of the forest sing for joy. (laughs) Creation, when everything's going to be made right, the trees will worship. They will clap their hands. They will clap their tree branches for their Messiah. And then in Isaiah chapter 55 verse 12, you will live in joy and peace. The mountains and the hills will burst into song and the trees of the field will clap their hands. This means to say that when Jesus comes back, when he's the coming king, when when that happens, he is going to put everything back the way it should have been at the beginning. Everything in nature will worship again. All will be made right. Complete harmony, complete peace, the end of death, the end of destruction, and that is going to be so cool. And I love how commentator Don Carson writes regarding the donkey. My second point, stay with me on this because this is pretty cool. He says this, you can't ride an animal before it's broken. Especially a baby donkey riding through a yelling crowd. Humanly speaking, no rider could do this. It's impossible. But in the midst of all of this is an unbroken young animal. It remains totally calm under the hands of the Messiah who controls nature. And as Alex taught us last week, he still calms the storms. And this points us to the peace of the consummated kingdom. Jesus is the Lord of all. And under his hand, nothing but harmony and peace comes about. He continues, the animal, the donkey, knows and loves his true master for who he is. And this is a foreshadowing of the healing of completion of all nature found in Isaiah chapter 11, where it says the wolf will live with the lamb. This is what I've come to love about Palm Sunday. Jesus stands outside the gates And in one swoop, he confronts. He's counterintuitive to what the people are expecting. And he announces the coming king. And he doesn't even have to say a word. He just is. He's the I am. And it's still the same today. Because on one hand, what you need is to begin a relationship with God through Jesus Christ and be reconciled to Him. And secondly, what he's saying is that God does care about this world. He's going to make it right. Certainly He's going to save us. He's going to come back. 
and we will kneel before his throne. We will receive a new body and a new name. We will enjoy heaven forever, but he will also take care of this world. And even the mountains and the trees will take their palm branches and they will clap in worship of the king. Jesus comes into this world not for power, but to serve. And he's looking forward to the day when it's going to be made right. Sickness, old age, bad backs, bad knees. Some of you, even just saying bad backs and bad knees, you're grabbing where it hurts. I get it, Mark Arnett. Like, things happen. (laughs) That's going to be gone. Cancer, heartburn, arthritis, hurts, pains. when all this is gone. And so Palm Sunday presents a very unique opportunity to shout to the world, to tell our neighbors that Jesus actually hates some of the things that are in this world and he's going to make it right. He hates oppression. He hates racism. He hates uh, destroying his world. He hates categorizing people. It's not of him. And it won't be made right fully this side of heaven. It will only be made right with the coming king. And when he comes again, those things will be abolished forever. Praise God. And as we are the light in this searching world, we will be the sons and daughters who follow God, that God-man, Jesus, who rode in on a donkey who gave his life once and for all for you and for me so that you and I could find life in a very countercultural way. And that's why we gather. That's why we sing. That's why we do what we do. And so my prayer is that you are blessed today on this Holy Palm Sunday. My prayer for you is that you get together as a family and remember why it's important. My prayer is that you begin this week to prepare your heart for Good Friday as Dan uh, shares with us Friday night. And then prepare your heart for an incredible Easter celebration. Unique to be sure. But the holiness and the magnitude just the same. So let me pray for you. Uh, We'll continue to worship. Um, Yeah, let's pray. So God, thank you. Thank you for hope. Thank you for this, for this story. Thank you for the, for the messianic psalms that are quoted. Thank you for the messianic proclamations that are given. And you, Jesus, receive them and you begin the process of, of peeling back the curtain. And then finally, that, that night on Good Friday, you actually tear the curtain. And once and for all, we really know that you, Jesus Christ, are Lord. So for those who are scared and hurting right now, for those who are struggling with finances, for those who are struggling with raising kids and doing home uh, online homeschooling, for those who are uh, getting ready to move, who are uh, battling depression and anxiety and, and any other struggle 
Uh, God, would you be the Lord of their life just as you were on that Palm Sunday? Would you enter into their place? I, I think of Lori's several friends, Lori Russo's friends struggling with severe medical issues. Would you please be the Lord of their lives? I think of those who are um, uh, widow or widowers who are alone uh, and are feeling the effects of that. Would you be Lord of their lives? Would you be the community that they need? Pray for tension in marriages that you would break that. God, that is not of you. We cast it out in the name of Jesus and by the power of your Holy Spirit. Tension in a marriage and in a family is not of you. So we speak the truth of healing in you, King Jesus, Lord, uh, King of peace, into those homes. For the unknown, would you make known yourself? And we ultimately continue to pray that you would put an end to this virus. That you would heal people and that you would take it away from our planet. But until then, every day that you choose to give us breath, please give us the courage and the strength and the boldness to join with the mountains and the trees of the forest to sing your praises and to clap our hands. in the name of Jesus Christ that we have read the scriptures that we pray that we worship that we gather amen and amen God bless you amen <clears throat> let's continue in worship and respond to this message respond to Jesus who is constantly speaking to us so I, I, I pray that you you heard something that uh God is speaking to you in a way that is unique to you and special to you. But wherever you're at, I just want to uh, call us as a church to respond in song. Let's sing this out.
this week, spend extra time, spend extra attention focusing on the fact that Jesus ultimately paid it all. 
paid it all for our sins. He paid it all for us to, uh, to belong to him, to know him, to have an eternity with him. And this week is all about that journey for him to the cross, the culmination of a life perfectly lived for us. He didn't have to do it, but he did for us, for you.
Church, thank you so much for joining us. I hope that you go this week, go today, just knowing the depth of God's love for you, the extent to which He was going, He's willing to go to pursue you. So go this week, uh, continue to plug in with us online on our website. I look forward to Good Friday service and Easter, and get the word out. Help us to. Uh, to share the link and get as many people on as possible so we can share the, the, the message of the gospel with people who def, desperately need to hear it. So go in peace. Walk around your, your home. That's what I mean by go. Um, if you can do it safely, get outside um, and try not to be stir crazy. But Rock Creek Church, we love you. I wish you the best. See you next week.